1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here with Tom Doran, and we're sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Tom, how's it going? I'm doing great. You know, you always ask me how it's going. I never ask you, how are you doing? And I'm doing fantastic. Good. I'm excited. You're always excited. Good reason to be excited, though. We're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart. Some of your peeps are here. Some of my peeps, exactly right. We're going to to surround you again. I'm I'm always surrounded with the best. That's a wonderful attitude to have. Well, we have a wonderful guest, Alicia Van Hecke. And Alicia is a homeschooling enthusiast from Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin. Cheesehead, I think. Are you a cheesehead? Something um, like that?
2: Minor cheesehead. Being from California originally, I've got a lot of cheese in my background. <laughs> Very good. <laughs>
1: cheese is a good thing. Cheese <laughs> yes, is a good definitely. thing. And so, uh, not to get too cheesy, but uh, <laughs> we have a wonderful topic. We're going to talk about sort of maintaining a Catholic culture in the home. And we thought you'd be a great person to talk about that.
2: Okay, I'll try. (laughs) Will you try do a good job
1: for us? Um, Now, first of all, before we do anything else, I know there's probably a lot of people getting ready to tune this off right now because I said the word homeschooling. You know, you Mm -hmm. get those people out there like, okay, here come those kind of weird homeschooler people. I've told people before that I homeschool. I know those people. Do you? No, there's no no weird homeschool people. (laughs) Uh, We've got nine kids. We homeschool. And, Alicia, you have six kids, I right? I have six
2: kids, and I was homeschooled myself for high school. There
1: you go. So, so it's I'm in your of blood. So i kind of a
2: really uh, odd breed back in the early 80s. Very so. good.
1: And now uh, Tom is not homeschooled, and you can tell. Yes. Yeah, Tom <laughs> is a little Very slow. wise, very wise. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and so, uh, Alicia, tell us a little bit about why you guys homeschool, just so we can get the sort of start the ball rolling and, and maybe tailor that into some of the thought about what it's like in your home, what kind of a Catholic culture you have in your home. But why do you homeschool?
2: Okay, well, that's actually a pretty big question for me because I've been thinking about homeschooling for a long time. Um, my parents started homeschooling myself and my younger brothers in 1984, and, you know, we went through that that whole thing and thought about it from that angle and uh, spent a lot, of, a lot of years thinking about it before I got married. Right, And I actually taught in a small... Uh, Catholic school. After that,
1: were you worried about homeschooling when you first started? I mean, did you think because you were said you were homeschooled in high school?
2: Right. I, I guess I think that gave me some perspective that made it a little easier. Okay, right. I made it. I made it to college in spite of, you know, somewhat chaotic time like. A lot of life is, anyway.
1: I know when we first thought about homeschooling, we thought we're going to ruin our kids. You know, what (laughs) if we what if we do something wrong? What if we teach them two plus two is five? I mean, that's (laughs) just going to be they would ruin their lives. You know, but uh, but God gives us all the grace we need. He does. But go on. I'm sorry to interrupt.
2: And, And I think it was you know after those years of reflecting on on my years of homeschooling and meeting a lot of other homeschoolers, I went to Thomas Aquinas College. Was one of the earlier homeschoolers there, but most of the um, the tutors or teachers' families, they're homeschooled, and so I got to experience a lot more families and how they did things and how things turned out, and that was a big influence. And then teaching in a small school, and sort of understanding what is sort of you're going to find in the school system, right? on the whole, especially today. And one of the things that frustrated me at that time was um, problems with learning, attitudes towards learning that kids tend to pick up in the school system. Not that it's, I said, oh, I, never, I will never go to school because I've never said that. We usually, you know, we usually take things from year to year. But I'll tell you, my, uh, my daughter, who's a senior in high school, doesn't want to do anything else. She, she loves homeschooling. We have a great network of, of teenagers that we do a lot of activities with. I'm going to be taking a group of them to the uh, Catholic Youth Rally in Milwaukee next week, and I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, there's a wonderful thing about homeschooling for the for the parents to be able to be responsible for the education of their children. You know, we live in a culture right now that people are always wanting to dish responsibility off on everything for everybody else to everybody else. And so now here's an opportunity where parents can really be responsible uh, for their kids. And as parents, uh, my wife and I thought, well, you know, we, we want to try this because we, we don't want to be able to – blame anything our kids ever did on somebody else. If they did something bad, it would be because we taught them wrong. (laughs) That was one of the reasons we started doing the process, and we've loved it. That's
2: great. You know, a lot of people are intimidated by the responsibility initially. Why
1: would you think people would be so intimidated?
2: Because the responsibility feels large, that it is up to them. Part of the problems we've had in recent years in our culture is that People got so used to the school system and depending on it that they handed too much responsibility over, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think actually homeschooling is having an impact on the culture because it's getting people more interested in what's going on in the schools. It's a competition. It's another another option out there. And having people who have their kids in schools be more aware that they still are the responsible ones for their education is a good thing, too.
1: Well, we don't want to make this whole show about homeschooling, really. I mean, although it's strongly from a homeschooling perspective because you and I both homeschool, but... I do want to talk about one aspect of homeschooling that's awesome, and that is that you have an opportunity now to really spend a lot of time sort of crafting and developing an environment for your for your kids and your, your entire family in your home. Tell us about what you do, obviously being a good Catholic family, what do you guys do in your home, and why is that so important to you that you maintain that Catholic culture there?
2: Sure. Well, you know, I think, I think it's almost all about environment, and it's partly why it works, because if we were just trying to duplicate what people were doing in a school, Uh, Especially in a large family, it would be extremely difficult. But if you have a family with good attitudes about learning, and the kids naturally get to learn things from them, um, that's going to tend to help them love learning. That's kind of what we're about, love to learn. (laughs) Right. Um, And... You know, that just grows exponentially. I think informal learning, which a lot of what we do is try to make more opportunities for informal learning as well as we do our book work too, of course, is is natural. It's how people were made to learn, to be interested in something and, and pursue it. And I actually read a study recently about uh, how babies learn language. And sometimes we try to just teach babies a bunch of words. The way they learn lang- language the best is if someone is, a, is there to be around when they're curious about something, when they're looking at... A tree or a dog or whatever, and you 're around and you 're able to say what that is they learn it they 'll learn the word really quickly you know i don 't know a nine month old or something like this, whereas if you 're there trying to you know put something on the TV for them to watch so you can go do the dishes it 's just not going to have the same effect. Mm-hmm. so I think having I mean, the parents around all the time is a huge part of what makes it work
1: well, and if you 're talking about education like what is a tree, and there 's a picture of a dog and, and you 're helping your child to learn and that, that, that bonding that 's going on. It's not just true for strictly for education. It's also true in your Catholic faith, is it oh, not? Oh,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of our best, um, my children's best uh, moments for learning about the Catholic faith is, is sitting on my lap during Mass, and we would whisper a little thing in their ear about what's going on or something like that. It's the simple little things that matter so much. And in a culture where the families don't spend that much time with their kids, it's it's really hard. But it's funny because sometimes we, you know we homeschoolers think, oh, how can I possibly keep up what's going on with the schools? And what we've found is that this environment and this this culture within the family um, and this different way of doing things does tend to stand up to the ones in the schools because the kids do well with the testing. My kids compete with, um, and, their, and their friends compete with, uh, public and private school uh, students in a Latin convention that we go to every year. And they do very well there. And, but it's not because we're doing the exact same thing. We're doing things in a little different way.
1: And they're learning from so many different places. In fact, oh, yeah. you... I've talked about, you just mentioned, you know, having your children on your lap during Mass. You know, and a lot of people will be taken aback by that right off the bat. You mean you get to go to Mass during the day or daily Mass with your kids? (laughs) You know, my <laughs> kids are in this classroom over here in this side of the city, and I'm over here working or or whatever I'm doing. And there's not that that communion that takes place. Oh, sure. And that's one of the awesome things about homeschooling. And that really helps those kids grow up to be even more Catholic than you might have ever dreamed.
2: Oh, sure. It's actually funny with us because um, it happened to work out last summer that I started really getting more regu- much more regular about daily mass at our local parish. And what I do, because I have two teenagers that, that babysit, I'll invite whoever wants to come to come with me, which is nice. It's nice to have opportunities to give them the chance to um, to choose something good and have the joy of choosing it themselves. Not that you can always do that, but right. it's really uh, nice. And so we've been actually going to daily Mass at the parish. Um, that has a school there. And they have school masses twice a week. And it, it turns out over time that the choir director of the children's choir invited my kids to sing in the choir. So they sing with the school for the daily masses for the, um, the school masses. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun and ironic. That's, you know? That's awesome. It's, it's a great parish. Now,
1: some of the other cool things, though, that you experience when you're homeschooling and you're a Catholic homeschooler is a lot of times that you can work the Catholic faith into your studies. If you're doing spelling, they're spelling words like Eucharist. Transubstantiation sure. for that extra credit, right?
2: Second grade, yeah. That's all right. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh,
1: but it's beautiful to be able to work even math problems. Father so and so had three rosaries, and he gave, you know. And it's like, wow, that's kind of neat. How a lot of the curricula will incorporate Catholic tradition, heritage, environmental stuff, all into one package, so that they're really learning their faith as they're learning math in a holistic sort
2: of way you know i have to tell you what my favorite catholic math problem is Uh, saint john bosco apparently had his boys uh, do math problems involving things like how much money they would save if they gave up smoking or something like that i thought that was the (laughs) ultimate catholic math problem
1: (laughs) very nice very nice what what about our non-homeschooling families they're going to want to try to keep some kind of Catholic culture in their home? Are there things that you think that a non-homeschooling family would be able to, let's say Tom, he wants to <laughs> do a little more Catholic stuff in the home. How, how do sure. you work all that kind of stuff in?
2: Sure. Well, some, some of it is, is uh, general. It can be specifically Catholic and some not, like reading aloud to our children at night. My husband's great about about doing that. He loves to say prayers with the kids at night and read stories to them. And sometimes they're saint stories and sometimes they're just beautiful Stories or or fun ones or whatever And that's a great uh, thing to do as a family And I think it has a huge impact on education Whether you're schooling or homeschooling Or whatever Uh, We try to keep some traditions too Some people get really into the the Catholic customs And they have these um, cookbooks for the liturgical year And do all kinds of foods You know, you can't do it all and we don't But we do simple things Especially for like Advent and Lent And we have have religious pictures on the wall And stuff like that We try to find ways of uh, Especially incorporating the younger children for a while, we were doing our um, our bedtime prayers downstairs, and then going up, you know, up to bed afterwards, kind of together. And we have a bunch of pictures of our Lady, different um, titles of our Lady, basically represented yeah. in pictures around the house. And we ended up g- coming up with this walking litany for a while, and the kids would fight over who gets to say which one. You know, right. they sing Our Lady <laughs> Our Lady of Guadalupe, and we sing Pray for Us or whatever, and then we move on to the next place. And that was a really <laughs> neat thing with the kids. And some of these things are just a, a great thing for a little. But season, you can do things too.
1: as as simply as praying. A decade of the rosary at sure. night with the kids and letting them alter. My kids are doing that. Oh, yeah. You know? In fact,
2: one of our funny things lately is uh, we have a certain routine for prayers in the car. When we when we uh, when we drive anywhere, in fact, one of the things we added to that because we, we're kind of disorganized about morning prayer is we just decided to do a morning offering as part of our um, travel prayers so whenever we get in the car. So sometimes we say it four times a day, sometimes it's at, it's at night, but at least we cover it. And then we we usually do a little litany there because we say Our Lady of the Way, right. whatever. We usually sing our, our litanies like this. And uh, my six year old right now is just totally into this litany, you know, he'll just throw out whichever saint he can remember and if we start adding a few more, he adds that to his list and, <laughs> you know, sometimes he says them twice because he's so enthusiastic about it. But I thought, you know, this, this turns out to be a pretty good way to introduce some saints to the guy because he just loves this <laughs> Does stuff. Did he ever invent any saints?
1: Do you have a, uh, <laughs>
2: Not that I can remember right <laughs> okay, now. Right,
1: but, well, let us know because maybe he's <laughs> Well, no, no, actually I take it back
2: as part of what we do at our bedtime prayers is we do a litany of the, of the patron saints of the family. So we take turns, we say someone else's name and we say You know, Saints uh, John and Matthew are, are my husband's names, and then he'll say someone else's. But for a while, when Dominic was little, he didn't quite understand this, and he would say, um, Saints Daddy and Matthew.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, oh, there you go. That's all right. That's beautiful. You know, that's, that's prayers arising like incense up to God. Exactly. So it's all beautiful. Well, wonderful. We have so much more to talk about in this concept of uh, the Catholic culture in the home and homeschooling and all that kind of stuff. We're going to do that when we get right back uh, in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. We'd love you to visit there. And I would love of you to email me at deaconjeff at the dot And so, with that, we'll be right back.
3: I'm Bess Trzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. For the first several hundred years of Christianity. Those who professed their faith in Jesus and lived according to his gospel were hunted down, rooted out, tortured, imprisoned, and usually executed by the Roman government. And much to the dismay of those same Romans, these early martyrs of the church, by their public witness, even unto death, became an inspiration to other Christians. Rather than dissuading Christians from continuing to walk in the faith, they were actually strengthened and encouraged in their resolve to follow Christ and his church. During the persecution wrought by Emperor Diocletian in 304 AD, two such martyrs found their holy places in church history. A holy priest named Marcellinus and his companion named Peter, an exorcist for the church, were arrested and sentenced to die, simply because they were Christians. While they were in prison awaiting their fate, they proved to be of great spiritual comfort to the other Christians locked up with them. They preached to them the hope of an eternal life of happiness with the very same Jesus who had triumphed over death to reconcile us to the Father. Their words were so reassuring and so compelling that they made many new converts while in prison, including of all people, the jailer and his wife and daughter. When the day of their execution arrived, Saints Marcellinus and Peter were taken deep into the nearby woods and beheaded in secret and buried in an unmarked grave. The Romans did this because they knew that men as inspiring as these two martyrs would certainly stir a large and influential devotion from the faithful. This secrecy would prevent that from happening. Their names would forever be confined to obscurity. However, God, as He often does, had other plans. In actuality, their names have been perpetuated for centuries now as they are listed among the saints whose names are invoked in the Roman canon. The first Eucharistic prayer set at masses around the world. How did this happen? It seems that Pope Damasus wrote an epitaph for the gravestone of these beloved martyrs. And in this epitaph, he indicated that he had heard of the saints Marcellinus and Peter from, of all people, their executioner who surely was moved by his experience with them. This is yet another indication of the powerful witness their lives and deaths would be to others. The feast day of Saints Marcellinus and Peter is celebrated by the Universal Church on June 2nd. I'm Beth Droszymski, and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff,
1: and we're back in the Catholic Cafe. We're still sitting in the luxurious corner booth with Alicia Van Vanhecke. And Alicia, uh, are you doing okay? Yes. Are uh, you doing fine? You mm-hmm. haven't. Is this luxurious enough for you? Oh, definitely. A, yeah, it's a fancy. It's a fancy place. You don't have these kind of things up there in Scansen, uh, Wisconsin. Um, so here we are. We're still talking about. Catholic culture in the home, uh, kind of focusing a little bit on homeschooling, your your personal experience. Tell us a little bit about your views and understanding about keeping a Catholic culture in the home and maybe some challenges from that, that world outside our doors. You know, you open up the door and you look out and you're in the world. Sure. Uh, what are the challenges that you experience, or you sure. think you experience?
2: <laughs> well, one thing I like to think about is that homeschooling allows us to have a kind of a controlled exposure with our kids to the world, because we're not supposed to remove ourselves entirely from it. But it's also nice that when they're growing up, they're not entirely bombarded. You know, a lot of the um, what's going on in public high schools today can be really ugly and, and very difficult to deal with. But part of the point to me of controlled exposure is that because we're with our kids all the time, because they aren't being bombarded, then we can deal realistically and and thoughtfully and prayerfully with what is coming to us from the world, whether it be through, you know, friends and family that are diff- dealing with difficult things we might have to explain to our kids or introducing them to some modern culture to help them learn uh, discernment and kind of gain tools of discernment.
1: But there are a lot of bad things out there. And, yes. and And you see those, and you ache for those parents whose kids have fallen into gangs or, or some kind of addiction. And it's just so prevalent now, and it seems to be more prevalent than like when, we, when you and I were kids and maybe even more so than when uh, our parents were kids. Uh, it, it, at it seems least to get seems worse. Like it.
2: I think, I think it, there's probably some truth that it's gotten worse, and I think it's also in the information age. We have so much information. The news has become such an industry of telling us all the bad things that I think sometimes we lose uh, perspective on what things were really like in the past. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really a big fan of studying history partly to realize that we've had fallen nature all along and we've always been struggling with things and god calls people to help fix the culture too and that's you know that's what we're trying to raise our our kids to do i run a catechism study group for some teens in our home home school group and archbishop chapu from denver came into town and we went to a talk he gave on um, catholicism in the public square or faith in the public square or something like that and at the end of the talk Someone asked him about how what we should do about uh, you know pro-abortion Catholics who want to go to communion or whatever. And he said a really striking thing. He said, well, you know, it's my job to try to teach these politicians and and make them more Catholic. It's your job to replace them. And he pointed at our teens. And I thought that was a really cool uh, way of looking at what our job is. If we're worried about the whole picture all the time and we're thinking it's our job to deal with the politics and the kids and this and that, we can get really overwhelmed. But if we think, well, this is something we can do is to raise the kids to be prepared to both discern and engage the culture somehow that seems more possible with god's help obviously those kids
1: are the future of the church right yes. They're the future of the world that's yes. our future you, you two are talking about how you know you, you're you're trying to control what the kids are exposed to that sort of thing i guess the argument's going to be well you're you're coddling them you're you're really uh you're not preparing them for the world how would you respond to that now do you are you saying that they would say well the, the, you're sheltering them yeah you know alicia what do you think about, do you shelter your kids? Do you
2: hide them from things? Uh, I would say that it depends on what you mean by shelter. Sheltering isn't entirely a bad thing, and I think sometimes people get ca- caught up and, you know, overemphasize this idea of sheltering. Well, we have to give shelter our kids. Shelter provi- keeps them That's away right. from the storms protection. and things like that. That's it's right. protection. protection. But part of what I think we should do as homeschoolers is be not afraid. And because we have all those chances and opportunities to c- connect with them, to go out and be involved in the community and things like that. It sort of gives us more time and opportunity to do that. I'm a big believer in using some of those, uh, you know, gained extra hours or whatever for service in the community. I think service is a huge part of education um, that's sometimes overlooked, in the, you know, because there's all these classes and academics and um, sports going on and stuff like that. And a lot of homeschoolers uh, put a lot of time into service.
1: Now, there may be some that do, but really... Uh, Homeschooling is not about keeping your kids to the point where they don't know what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that, Alicia, you would talk a little bit about uh, this idea of living your life in reaction to the world. You, you don't want to do that, right?
2: Right, right. You don't want to get caught so so much up in what in the bad things that are going on in the world that you're just trying to be the extreme opposite, which is not what we're supposed to be doing. Well, you would
1: never <laughs> tell your kids you're never allowed to watch television. You're <laughs> never allowed to read these books. Because what do you think the kids, the first thing they do when oh, they get their little bit of freedom it. and they Absolutely. go up and they go to their friend's house, the first thing they do is watch whatever that is. And if you don't prepare them for that, then you're not doing your job as a homeschooler. You've right. got to let them know where they live. Now, that doesn't mean that you would open your doors to every bizarre thought that comes across the airwaves, that you would say, sure, whatever, we expose our children to everything. Certainly, that would be hurtful. But at the same time, watching some of the, the secular programs or some of the programs, even of questionable nature, as the kids start getting older, and you're sitting there next to them and saying, see, son or see, daughter, this is a terrible thing. Look how they're reacting and how... How unfortunate their relationship is now because they didn't live the way that that our Lord taught us to live. Right. and so you're able to sort of mentor and Absolutely. and work with them as as they're watching these things that ordinarily would people would just allow to be poured on their children, and they they have a really a value system that goes askew. Well,
2: and one of the interesting things about you know really quality literature and movies is a lot of times you know good authors and good uh, storytellers. Don't necessarily come from our Catholic faith, but tend to at least have a sense of the consequences of fallen nature and sin, and a lot of those things actually have very good bits of reality that can be useful for them too, as long as you're, you know, willing to be discerning and spend the time with your kids and stuff too.
1: So, has your your homeschooling experience for your six kids has it been all a, a wonderful ball of sunshine the entire time? <laughs> uh, on the whole, do you look at that and go, man, I'm so glad that we homeschool?
2: I, I think in the end, we we're really glad we homeschool, but it was, it's certainly not, you know, perfect every day. Or anything like that, but, that's but, but we have our wonderful days too. I, I, I have one I have a fun story I love to tell people about, kind of the strangeness of being the, the unique homeschoolers around and stuff like this. A, a number of years ago, six or seven years ago, on a um, on a weekday afternoon, you know, like my oldest daughter was upstairs doing her school, peeking out the window, and, and saw behind us on the street behind us there was a parade going by. This is a true story. (laughs) And uh, she comes downstairs running. There's a parade going by behind us. This is really strange. We all run out to the front yard to see if we can peek a little bit at it they turned down our street. And we are the only people on the entire street. We're all standing out on our front stoop. (laughs) And this whole parade with a band and costumes and all this stuff comes by, you know, of course, throws candy to just us sitting there. And it was really strange. It turns out it was a a local private school having a homecoming parade that that took a wrong turn. (laughs) But it was this really funny picture I have sometimes of, you know, you wonder how this is all working. And, you know, we have some pretty good days, too. (laughs) That's
1: the the blessings of home school. You had your own private parade.
2: parade. We didn't even, uh, you know, order it ourselves. Yeah, it was that's amazing.
1: Pra- <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So, in terms of like your Catholic culture, though, do you do you think that your children benefit in their Catholic faith? Do you think that they're becoming better Catholics for you, from your own personal perspective, because of what you're able to do in the home?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's working out the way we we're doing it. It's really hard to compare to something else. Like, if they were in school, would it be such and such? And I really. Yeah, to, we, we don't want to, to get do down that. on
1: we don't want to get down on no, schools. No, because
2: I know a lot of great families that have their kids in schools and and do very well. This is a choice that works well for us and I'm I really like having the chance to to talk to them and help them become more deeply Catholic. Because uh, there's a couple mistakes that, that people make sometimes just coming into homeschooling. One is that um, people might think that knowledge is the same thing as virtue. So if you give them the information, right. they're automatically going to become good Catholics. And, of course, we have a fallen nature. So well, you know, the, we have the, the, to the help them learn to love the good. Which yes, is, our
1: priests always remind us that even, even the devil knows Jesus. Yes, yeah, exactly. He has the knowledge of Jesus.
2: <laughs> yeah, the other, the other thing people think sometimes is homeschooling is this auto solution to the evils in the world and they're automatically going to be good Catholics because we're keeping the outside world out. Well, and of course, again, because we have fallen nature, that's, that's, that actually is very dangerous because if they, they think that's all it is, they're not going to get anywhere. You have to learn to recognize the good and find out what that is and help your children love it and want it.
1: Well, life in everything is a balance, right? Especially in our Catholic faith, but also in homeschooling. You know, I think from my own personal perspective, I think that sometimes People can be so uh, fixed in one position that they're blinded to everything on their sides, and if they don't let certain things into their home, if they seclude their children from whatever evils might lurk outside, and these kids then, when they go outside, they're inundated with all these seeming pleasures, and the next thing you know, they're, you've lost them, and they end up rebelling against you and all you taught them, maybe because you were so closed about the way you do things. I'm not saying, again, that you bring all these evils into your home sure. and allow them to experience them. That's not at all what I'm saying. Sure. But you have to recognize that there's a greater world outside.
2: Right, right. Well, and I think one of our modern errors, it's not unique to homeschooling at all, but that homeschoolers can pick up on too, is that somehow we can keep our kids perfectly safe. We we have that in our culture a lot just physically speaking. You know, we come up with all these inventions and think that, that nothing can ever, ever nothing bad can ever happen. You know, but but life is very risky. <laughs> life is scary.
1: Absolutely. And
2: and certainly raising kids and dealing with the culture is scary too. But you know, we have Pope John Paul the Great and, and Be Not Afraid and I, I'm very encouraged. I need to read Catholic stuff to just keep me going sometimes because you can get overwhelmed with that stuff. Alicia,
1: thank you so much for uh, giving us some insight, your personal perspective on on homeschooling uh, up there in Wisconsin. Uh, (laughs) We're so happy that you uh, uh, came to the Catholic Cafe to visit us.
2: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Well, we're going to close in prayer, and I think today would be awesome if we would just invoke the intercession of our Blessed Mother. We're going to do the Hail Mary together. Would that be all right? Wonderful. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary. Full of grace. grace. The The Lord Lord is with with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com.